you're looking up. This is a podcast for Christian women. I'm Kathy Pollard, and with me is your other host, Carla Moore. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something pretty personal for both of us. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, we're going to be talking about what we wish people knew about the preacher and his wife. You've probably heard and read a lot of things, and we would just like to share from our perspective. So I think we can have a lot of fun with that and handle it in a, in a great comfortable, <laughs> lighthearted <laughs> manner. But before we get into that, Carla, how have you been and what have you been up to? I'm doing well, just getting ready to head back to Colorado. So we've got all the tubs out and spread out on the back deck and going to go home after this and pull things out of cabinets and pack. And John's really pushing me. I told you earlier that he's really pushing me to cut down on the amount of things that we take. <laughs> and I'm not sure how I'm going to do that because I thought I'd already done that several times, cut down, but taking bikes. We're taking a cabinet up to, we're going to stop in Fort Worth and see our middle son and his family on the way up, but we're taking them a cabinet. So we have to make room for that. And then, um, then we'll, it'll be plenty of room after that. So anyway, it's, it's always a challenge and it's like a puzzle, but John's always good at that and we'll get it done. So for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, Carla and John spend, I guess, total about half of the year. Yeah, right in Colorado mm -hmm. and they work with the Bear Valley's uh, Bible Institute out there and so when you go this time you'll be there what about three and a half months yeah so? three three months, three months. August come through back, October. yeah for a quarter go back for a quarter mm -hmm. kind of back and forth like that so you are loading up this trailer that you guys pull with a truck with everything that you'll need for the next three months. <laughs> yeah. Hoping we remember everything. Hoping you remember. Yeah. John's always telling me though, you know, we can get things we need in Denver too, but <laughs> you know, some things I want from home, mm -hmm. you know, I have my, my things in the kitchen that, that I like to carry back and forth. And I've cut down on a lot of that. I have a, a lot of duplicates now. So a lot of things that are there, like I found a, a mixer, at Goodwill that I use there. And so I have, I don't have to carry that back and forth. So it's really not that big of a deal, but what about your pillows and bedding? Oh, we, you know, take, we take, we our take our bedding. That. Yeah. We want it yeah. to feel like home and that's one way right. we can make it feel like home. So mm -hmm. always take our quilt and pillows and our sheets and things like that. Yeah. And you're heading out Friday morning mm -hmm. for the strip. We'll be praying for your safe travels. Yeah. I was looking at the forecast for Austin, and it's, I mean, it, there's not a day under like 103, 104 mm -hmm. for the next 10 days. So I am not sad to say goodbye to that. Mm -hmm. Although it's pretty warm. I was looking at Bear Valley's forecast and they've got high 90s this week, but there's one day next week that the high is 81, which sounds amazing. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Plus no humidity. Yeah. Which can be a good, good thing and a bad thing. But this quarter, you know, this is, I like this is my favorite quarter as opposed to the snowy quarter, just because um, when the, the heater is on and you know this, when the heater mm -hmm. is on up there, it just super dry and you get nosebleeds and mm -hmm. you're just constantly doing the lip balm thing and moisturizer and lotion. It's not as bad in the fall. Yeah. And this is when the leaves will start changing. And oh the, yeah. So it's pretty. just, it's my favorite, favorite quarter to be up there. And I'm looking forward to getting back on the bike up there. So anyway, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been up to? Um, just, you know, trying to can and preserve everything that's coming in in the garden. I will, I brought this little jar. Mm -hmm. uh, these are sunburst tomatoes. Oh, pretty. Um, they're little cherry tomatoes, but they're kind of 
as they're ripening, they go through almost sunrise colors, you know, mm -hmm. yellow, orangish, red. Um, and they're so pretty when you can them this way. And they're pretty sitting on the shelf because you leave them whole and you don't have to peel them or anything like that. And then whenever you want to use them, I typically use them to make like pizza sauce or sauce for pasta. And I'll just put some olive oil and garlic and shallot in a skillet and saute it up a little bit, add these, mm. you know, add some herbs or seasonings or whatever, and then use my immersion blender mm -hmm. to mix it all up and there's my sauce. So, yeah. but I just think these are so pretty. I always look forward to having these on the shelf and kind of liquid is it in? It's just water. Yeah. Yeah. You just, I cold packed them, which means I just fill them to the top with the tomatoes. And then I add a little bit of salt and citric acid and then um, cover it with boiling water. Okay. And then can them in the water bath canner. You need to send us a picture or post a picture of your black cabinet. I'm sure it's full of fun stuff now. I'm starting to have to rearrange things a little bit to make room for everything. So. Mm -hmm. And I have a whole counter full of regular tomatoes and lots of Roma tomatoes. This is our first time growing Roma tomatoes and yeah. trying to figure out what I want to do. You can, you can roast them slow roast them in the oven and then pack them in olive oil, or you could can them whole. So I haven't mm -hmm. quite decided <laughs> what I'm going to do, but we're in the middle of VBS week. So my time is limited. And yeah, so I, I have a whole thinking, counter full of tomatoes that are just calling out, like you better yeah. hurry up and do something. <laughs> with and you us. can so give them to people at VBS too, if you yes. have an overabundance. Yes. And we do. So how is VBS going? It's going great. It's um, our numbers have been really good. Last night, I was telling you this a little bit before we hit record, we had a petting zoo mm -hmm. and um, a local farm, Westbrook Farms, brought out all these adorable animals. And I mean, an alpaca, um, angora rabbits and a pony and a little calf and um, what all was out there? Oh, a pig, potbelly pig. And, but my favorite was this llama that was the cutest llama I've ever seen. He had the cutest hair, but his coloring, um, he was brown and white speckled in his body, but his face was black and white speckled and his sock area was black and white speckled. <laughs> and he was just the cutest thing. And he was so friendly. And I walked away from that thinking I never even knew I wanted a llama uh -oh. <laughs> until just Leo. now. I can really <laughs> see him on our little format. You know, he uh -huh. was just so sweet and so cute. And they were letting the little kids feed animal crackers, animal crackers to all these animals. And his mouth was so funny just to watch. Did you know that llamas don't have upper teeth? No, I did not know that. Yes. So a lot of animals I learned last night, um, I think even including a cow, don't have upper teeth, just bottom teeth. Horses Which have would explain both. why they chew, why they, the way they chew. <clears throat> yeah. So, but he was so funny, like his, the way his lip would kind of move when he was taking in that animal mm -hmm. cracker. It was just the most adorable, adorable thing. So. I saw a GIF or no, it wasn't even a GIF. It was some kind of a, um, just a social media post the other day about, um, someone dressed up a llama as a groomsman at a wedding. It was hilarious. It was, I laughed and laughed. They had like 10 pictures of him. So they, you know, the, the wedding party was standing with him, but they put a jacket on him 
and then fake arms that were crossed oh, in front no. of them, you know, like you stand, like men stand at the front of an right, auditorium, right. you know, and then they had pants on his front <laughs> legs. So then the wedding party is standing next to him and this llama is standing there with a top hat. I think it was a top hat, but a tuxedo tie. And it was so cute. I'll have to see if I can find it and send it to you because I don't know why, why do people do things like that? But, but it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, the person like me on the other side of the country is laughing at it. Well, llamas just seem to have so much personality. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to have one. I'm obviously I'm I don't want one for real, but I I pretty much I told this llama last night. His name is Georgie. Georgie, and I said I love you, Georgie. <laughs> Georgie, Georgie, <laughs> just so Good cute. Pie. That's all right. Yeah. So <clears throat> we went we over thrifting. To, I did. Yeah. Um, don't let me forget. I was going to tell you something about pizza. Okay. I found some Chanel shoes. Whoa! If you're watching, you can see them. Wow. And you know, Chanel, you see fake Chanel stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. so you have to really look and see things. You, you can tell quality when you see it, you know, and I could tell that the leather, it's like lambskin and it has all of the, the um, copyright stuff in it. And you can just tell by looking at the bottom, if it's imprinted and, and they make some pretty good fakes out there. So I'm not 100% sure. I'm 99% sure these are real, but you can authenticate them. So I'm excited to sell those. Because I don't have any interest in wearing them, but what are they worth? Um, new, they're like a thousand dollars. I mean, <laughs> spent I can't even fathom spending a thousand dollars on a pair of shoes. Probably more than that. I don't know. Chanel. I've honestly never shopped Chanel, yeah. but I did some comparable pricing, and they're selling anywhere from one hundred fifty to four hundred dollars used. So we'll see. Huh. We'll see. Nice. I found that and I found a few other little things that I can't remember right now, but, um, but you know, it's kind of a busy week, so I haven't done mm-hmm. a whole lot and I probably won't until a couple of weeks from now again. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was going to tell you that we went to Micah and Courtney's last Saturday, I think. And he's for father's day. She gave him one of those pizza ovens. Y'all have <gasps> one of those? No, you need one of those. I you do. make pizza all the time. I do need one. It's gas powered, but I think you can use wood pellets too. Ooh. But it's just one of those little, you know, little metal dome shaped and mm-hmm. it slides mm-hmm. in and out. And um, he made, he uses San Marzano tomatoes. Do you use those? You use well, your I, own. I use my own now, but I did buy some per your request. Mm-hmm. So I have did some you in notice my a difference? Well, I haven't have actually used, used them yet because we're going through our tomatoes right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got fresh tomatoes. That it amazes me what a difference those make. I mean, they're a good bit more expensive, but like I said before, you don't even have to add spices to me. If I make pizza, I don't even add any, any spice and I love garlic. I just don't think it needs it. But anyway, he, he made homemade pizza with all this stuff and it was yummy. And Mm. we were, Livy was just on the edge of walking that night, just wanting to, you know, you could hold on with the tip of your finger. But when we got home the next morning, they had sent us a video and she started walking the next day. So sweet. I think I sent you that video, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds like a great weekend. It was. It was. Mm -hmm. And we went to Houston yesterday and just for the day to say, kind of say goodbye to the, to Jordan, Aaron and the grandkids, because we won't see them again, most likely until November. So I jumped on the the trampoline. Yeah, it is a hard part of your going back and forth. Yeah, it is. A lot of times we get to see them in between. We'll see them for 
lectureship or something in between, but this time I don't think you will. So yeah. I was going to say the closest I've come to Chanel is um, we have a really sweet lady at church, Peggy Hunt, who gives me her, she subscribes to Victoria Magazine and Southern Lady. And when Mm -hmm. she's done reading them, she passes them on to me. And Sunday morning, she gave me a bunch of them in a Chanel bag. Like a (laughs) sack? Yeah, like a shopping with a gift. It looks like a gift bag. Uh And so I was walking out with that and somebody commented on, oh, look at your yeah. Bag. And I was like, yes, somebody gave me some magazines in it. I'm really excited to yeah. have this bag. <laughs> well, it's a high dollar stuff. Uh, that's as close as I've come. Mm-hmm. I just don't <laughs> have any, I just don't have any desire. I don't for, either. And I, I guess, I, and I'm thankful for that because I don't really mm-hmm. want to live in a world that I feel pressure to have designer stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, I like quality. I like mm-hmm to buy things that are going to last and that will have resale value. If I get tired mm-hmm. of it, I want to be able to resell it again. Mm-hmm. But for something like that, I just don't have any desire to, to have expensive stuff like that. To get something with a name on it, just because it has that name on it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of blah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, how long, I have a pizza question. How long does it, does it take to cook a pizza in one of those things? It was quick. I mean, like less than three minutes, I want to say. And you have to really watch it because it's so close to the fire. It it can burn. And I think he, this was kind of his, he was learning and I don't think he had done it at all before. He had just taken it out of the box. So I think he said that he spilled some flour on the floor of the oven. And then when he put the next pizza on top of it, that flour was a little burned. Oh. So when he pulled the pizza out, it kind of charred the bottom of the pizza. So you have to, okay. I'm, I'm sure he would be happy to tell you a bit something about clearing out the bottom or keeping the bottom clean but jake has one too and i mean it's it, i think jordan even has some kind of something for one of his grills that does pizzas so they're all into the pizza making and i am happy to be there for it yes that would be so fun do you do yours in the oven in the broiler or what how do you i put a hot stone i put a stone in the oven when it, as soon as i turn it on so mm-hmm. that the stone gets really hot and i put put it in there at a really high temperature yeah and then i make our pizza up on parchment paper on the mm-hmm. counter and then when it's ready i slide the parchment paper onto that hot stone and it kind of is supposed to be the closest you can get to a pizza oven Mm-hmm. And then sometimes if I want a little more of a char on it, I'll stick it under the broiler for half a minute or so at the very mm-hmm. end. Well, I'm pretty sure I could say that that is my favorite food. I'm such a kid. Yeah. Just oh. pizza. Oh, love pizza. Oh, mine too. Somebody had asked that question. If you were on a desert island, you could only eat one food for the rest of your life. What would it be? And I said pizza because mm-hmm. you can do anything with a pizza. You can go in any flavor direction you want with mm-hmm. the toppings. You can even do dessert pizzas. <laughs> you pretty yeah. much got everything. You could have breakfast pizza, mm-hmm. taco dessert pizza, pizza, dessert pizza, regular mm-hmm. pizza, all those things. So why yeah. not? <clears throat> well, he made an extra one that night for his neighbor. Uh, this man, his name is Frank, and he has helped Micah so often with his truck. You know, when your kids live away from you, you just, it mm-hmm. makes you feel really good to know that they have neighbors that will help them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of years ago during that ice storm, when no one had electricity and the streets were completely iced over, no one was going anywhere doing anything and no one had heat. Mm-hmm. And 
they had neighbors and I don't know if it was Frank or it was another one, but they had neighbors that brought them wood for the fireplace and they were new there. I mean, brand new to that little neighborhood. So anyway, Mike had made a pizza for Frank and he called him and he wasn't there. And I was thinking, Frank, you don't know what you're missing out on, but (laughs) he showed up and Mike took that pizza over to him. So it's, it's always good to be um, around when pizza is being made. Yeah. And good for Micah for thinking about that. That's a, that's a good neighborly thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I almost forgot to tell you mm -hmm. um, also that we ended up with a bunch of extra chickens this week. (laughs) How? Like live chickens? (laughs) Yes. Yes. This was not on our to-do list. This was nowhere in my planner for the week, but um, Sunday night, Smith Sexton, who's one of our members, asked me if I'd be interested in having their chickens because mm-hmm. they had gotten them for their daughter supposed to be her project or whatever. And I don't know if she just got tired of it or whatever, but they had decided that it was time to let them go. And they're about the same age as our new flock mm-hmm. and they're already laying and there there's eight of them and they are golden comet. And I think he said the other one was blue wine dot or however you say that. I don't even know how to say that I word. I have no idea. And, um, So anyway, he wanted to know if we'd be interested in him. And I said, sure. Well, I didn't know he meant like now (laughs) (laughs) where we were not prepared. And so he drove up Monday morning, the very next morning in his truck with all of these chickens. You said eight. Yes. And usually you can't merge two new flocks together. You have Mm -hmm. to have them in a separate space and gradually introduce them, mm-hmm. you know, and when you Meet put them greet. together, yeah, when you put them together, you have to have them kind of fenced off where they can't really get to each other, you know, so that'll be a gradual, hey, mm-hmm. let's be friends and not kill each yeah. other, you know, Peck each other's eyes out. Yeah. So anyway, he showed up. <laughs> we were so not prepared. And, um, but we took them and ended up turning out the other clock, which They've been really flighty. And so they are temporarily in the barn. And then we had to scrub out the coop from top to bottom because we didn't want to introduce any, you know, Mm -hmm. old flock, whatever, to this brand new flock and scrub all that out. We removed the run and emptied all that out and put down all fresh everything. And it was, it was so so hot that day uh-huh. so uh, I mean yep. I was I don't sweat I know this is TMI but I just don't sweat typically and mm-hmm. I had sweat just pouring pouring yeah. off Me too. and about. <clears throat> we're trying to kind of like make this up as we go and trying to figure out what to do and it's hot and we're you know trying not to be grumpy <laughs> it's a other. lot of work it was a lot of work it was a lot of work and but anyway now that it's all done you know we're and there usually when you move a flock that transition is a little bit traumatic for them and they'll stop laying temporarily, but this one never skipped a beat. Like same day they're laying eggs. And mm. so, and they're really pretty. They're like a really deep, dark brown. And then some of them are a little bit lighter brown. How many did you have to begin with? We had five. Okay. We were down to five. And so now we have 13. And they've met one another and they're okay. Or are they still, separated? Oh, they're still separated. They're still long? separated today. We just now let the, the new girls out to free range. Mm-hmm. So they will run into the other girls, but we're not going to keep them together at night yet. So. You don't have any roosters. Mm-mm. Just, just girl hens, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
well, maybe you need like two separate wire cages and you just set them near each other and then they yeah. can look at each other, but can't re- reach each other. Yeah, we have a, um, a tractor that we can put into the coop and we'll probably <laughs> put, when we're ready to merge them together at night, we'll probably put the five of the old, cause we don't, it's not really big enough for eight chickens. It's not really big enough for five chickens. <laughs> mm. um, last time we had to do that, our chickens were, we had, were, were raising them from chicks and they were just pullets, you know, they were yeah. like teenager size and, mm-hmm. but anyway. You're gonna so be now, overflowing with eggs. Yes, yes, yes we are. So, all right. Well, well that'd be a good thing to do. Um, I'm gonna plug my iPad in before it dies. I was gonna mention that, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine on Sunday. Her name is Jerry Bellier. And I mean, we've known each other for a good number of years. And she was the camp nurse at Peach Valley for several years. So we've, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're friends. And I think of her as a friend, but I tend to forget she is the PA, a physician's assistant. No, I think she is the PA. I can't remember what exactly she is, but in the same office as my doctor but she Uh works for a different doctor. And so Mm -hmm. we were just talking about something else. And she said, Oh yeah, I heard you say that on the podcast. And right when she said that, I was like, Oh, it makes me think she probably, and I said this to her, I said, then you probably also heard me say that I hate going to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's one of those things that I get caught up and I just, I'm talking to you on here and Mm -hmm. I tend to forget that there's other people that listen. (laughs) <laughs> so I just and want, most of the time that's perfectly fine <laughs> yeah well so I I'm sure other people out there have the same mm-hmm. issue I do I call it white coat syndrome and I've yeah. had I've had more doctor's appointments in the last month than I have in a long time just some routine stuff anyway I'm fine mm-hmm. but every time I go to the doctor my blood pressure will be like 189 over 95 and I'm like I promise I promise it's just Cause I'm here and mm-hmm. I take my blood pressure every night and most nights it's like 125 over 78, you know, yeah. it's normal. And, but if you talk, start talking doctor, even if you, if I hear that, that Velcro of the <laughs> blood pressure cuff, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. Anxiety. I to, yes, I do. It's so dumb and I can't figure out why. And it's just, it's embarrassing because I've been to several new doctors and I had a procedure and this, at this procedure, um, I, she took my blood pressure and she, it was one of those cuffs that, that they set and they walk away. And when she came back in, she's looking at the, I noticed she's looking at the screen above my head and she goes, I don't know whether to trust that. And I said, well, if it's high blood pressure, it probably is right. And I tried to explain (laughs) to her how it's always high. Whenever I go to the doctor, even if I don't feel completely like she put me at ease and I felt I wasn't nervous. I knew what to expect. They had told me exactly what was going to happen, mm-hmm. which that I'm probably my blood pressure would have been 250 over 125. But um, so she took it again and it was still pretty high. But before I left, she took it and it was like 160 or whatever. She said, well, I can live with that, but I was going to have to call your doctor just to get an okay for you to leave. Oh, and wow. I, like I said, I keep records And, and I always tell my doctor, I just always say, look, it's this way at home. We even took it one time to the doctor and compared hers with ours. And it was basically the same. I think I've told you that, but anyway, all of that to say, Jerry and anyone else, it's not 
you, it's me. And she knows that. I know she knows that, but you know, it just got me to thinking about some people. Sometimes we say things that I say them flippantly and, you know, there's no context. And so Mm -hmm. I love, Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for doctors and I just don't like going. I like other people to go to the doctor, but not me. Well, and maybe your anxiousness is you really haven't had to do it a lot. Have you in your life? I mean, it's not been a normal part of your daily life, right? Yeah. And part of it is that I probably have not gone as much as I should have Mm -hmm. because I don't like going. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that, have you seen the meme that says you better enjoy your twenties and thirties because in your forties and fifties, your check engine light comes on. (laughs) Like, okay, the check engine light has come on. So got to do some checking of that Uh, engine. Just trying to be a grown up. You know, we were talking about, was it last week or week before about, we can't eat cocoa puffs every day, all day and be healthy, you know, just making myself do things that I really don't want to do. I guess it's time to be a grown up. Yes. But your engine is good, right? Mostly. Yeah. Mostly good. I mean, it's just the typical. Mm -hmm things that start wearing out yeah. and that's okay. It's just the way it is. And I'm trying to take care of what I have and eat better and exercise and, mm-hmm. you know, just take care of what I have. Yep. Please do that. Okay. You too. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I do want to take a second to offer thanks to, you remember in the last episode, I said something about being frustrated with my sourdough attempts. Yeah. Or was that two weeks ago? Well, it must've been last Well, maybe we talked about it two weeks ago, but you just posted a picture this week. Yeah. Anyways, um, some, some people did message me and Mm -hmm. they either gave me some tips or here's what I do. Like step one was step-by-step and, or they sent me to websites of people that they feel like their instructions make sense and they've Mm -hmm. had good success, you know, so I've just got a lot of good information and tips. And so I just thought I'm just going to jump in there and I've about decided my problem has been my starter just really needed beefed up. And so I spent three days in a row of just focusing on the starter, you know, feeding it every feeding day, it. emptying the discard, feeding it, emptying out discard, feeding it until it was really, really, really good and bubbly. And then it was like starting over, you know, I'm just going to start over. And so I made um, a successful regular loaf of sourdough and then um yesterday yeah yesterday I made cinnamon swirl oh yeah bread and this was an enriched loaf because it has honey Mm. and coconut oil in it it wasn't just like bread and water and salt you know Mm -hmm. it had extra things in it and um but the dough felt good and it smelled good while I was working with it and it actually did everything it was supposed to do this morning we had some toasted with our eggs for Mm, breakfast and so yay! Uh, you did to, it. Thanks to all the help. I'm I still <laughs> I know I'm still gonna have flops, but at least there's that little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, sounds like like you said, go into it beefing up the what you that your base or the, what you start with, and that mm-hmm. that helps. I mean, then that that's kind of a lesson in life. So start it off right and do it right to begin with, right? That's right. Should that be a good segue into? Yeah. Serious topic. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to say? Nope. I'm good. All right. So we're talking about, I think we're going to call it what we wish everyone knew about the preacher and his wife, because you run across 
articles like that, you know, what we wish everyone knew about the preacher or about people in ministry. And, and a lot of times it seems like those articles tend to have a little bit of a negative slant. What you agree? A lot. Okay. A lot. And, (laughs) and I think we just wanted to share maybe a little bit different perspective. Um, and, and we both have been in this for a long time and Carla, I'll let you share yours here in a second, but I grew up in a preaching family. My dad was a gospel preacher my entire growing up and I knew I wanted to marry a preacher. And then, um, even while Neil and I were dating, he was a youth minister at Grammy Pines. And then when we got married, he was full-time minister. So for 31 years, been a preacher's wife, married to a preacher. And what is your background? Uh, my dad was Bible chair director at Navarro Junior College when I was born. And then we moved to San Marcos and he was Bible chair director. It used to be Southwest Texas State University, now just Texas State University for the um, church in San Marcos. So from the time I was eight until John and I married 10 years later, yes, I know that was very young, but <laughs> Um, And then John started doing the same work. He was in, he worked in the ministry at the Bible chair. And then we went to Southwest School of Bible Studies where John was an instructor for several years and then came here to Dripping Springs, I think 17 years full-time and now at Bear Valley. So I've never known anything other than a life in ministry. My, my parents were, and, and then John and I have been, we've been married 30 seven years since 1986 I always have to do the math Mm -hmm. so um you know not it hasn't always been perfectly smooth but everything that has been bad that you that we would classify as bad has led to good things so Mm -hmm. um I just it's been a blessing all the way through Mm -hmm. so been good yeah and I do want to start out by saying um this is in no way shape or form trying to discount Right. Any feelings that somebody else might have mm-hmm. in ministry, any articles that have been written and their experiences, we just wanted to share our perspective, which mm-hmm. might be a little bit different than some of the things that you read out there all the time. And so I know that um, ministry in ministry, you can find yourself in a difficult situation. You can find yourself in a situation where the leadership isn't very doctrinally sound or courageous, you know, um, maybe you do find yourself in a situation where there are unrealistic expectations. So I know things like that can happen, but I feel like people are aware of that already, you know, and this is what we wish everyone would know about Mm -hmm. the preacher and his wife. So where would you start with this conversation? Well, along with what you just said, I've, I've learned, especially over the last maybe 15 years that just because I've experienced one thing doesn't mean that others don't experience something completely different. Mm -hmm. And we haven't moved around a lot. You know, I was in, um, started in Corsicana, moved to San Marcos. So Corsicana, San Marcos, Austin, Dripping Springs, and Denver. So really only five places. And I know a lot of people that are in ministry tend to move around a lot. And I just never, we just never did. And I think there's different reasons for that. Some people want to, some people don't necessarily want to, and they do any, you know, they find themselves in a situation where they have to, but all that to say that just because I have not experienced the bad things in ministry doesn't, I'm not saying that they don't happen. I've realized that they really do. And really there are some congregations, some groups of people that 
that don't handle themselves well and they do hurt um, ministry families. So I'm, I know we've had plenty of personal discussions about these and we know that it happens, but you and I have had um, overall just wonderful experiences. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And you wanted me to start off giving some reasons or what, what direction are you wanting to go? Yeah, you can do that. Where would you start with a good, something that you would want others to know? About, um, well, I, I wrote some things down, like what do we want from other members of the church as far as ministry families, what, what we're looking for, what we hope to find is relationship. And I mean, I, I don't guess that that would be first and foremost, because what we're in ministry for is to, to bring others to Christ and to show them God and to live our lives in such a way that would draw others to him. But just on the purely, maybe, I don't think it's selfish, but on a personal level, I think that we want to be, to have a relationship with the members of our congregations Mm -hmm. and to be, to, for them to realize that we're just like them. You know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're not any different. We have the same struggles and the same issues and we're not any holier than they are. Mm -hmm. I think we have more opportunities to, to grow and to learn, but we're not any different. God does not see us any differently than he does any other Christian family. He doesn't see you and me any, he doesn't love us anymore. He doesn't necessarily expect anymore. Although I think we have more opportunities, Um, but we're just ordinary people. Don't you think? Well, I don't know about ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said earlier, I had this cough. And so I'm going to sound like a smoker if I start laughing and coughing. So I'll apologize ahead of time. Don't make me laugh. I was just going to say goal for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah. Um, as ordinary as we can be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which as people probably already have learned is not super ordinary. Or... Yeah. And I, and I think though, that most places that you go, it seems like people realize that they, um, I don't think that the average person has higher expectations of us or treats us any differently because we're in the minister's family Um, And I know some have experienced that. I'm not trying to discount that, but I think overall, or I should say, in my experience, um, if I have met somebody that kept me at arm's length or treated me different because I was the preacher's wife, they hit it well. You know, what I'm saying is if that did happen, I didn't even know about it. So I think that... um, a lot of people in congregations are willing to accept you at face value for who you are, you know, um, be genuine, be loving, be humble, you know, all those things mm-hmm. that everybody wants from somebody in a relationship and you can have good relationships. Don't you think it's like so many other things? Um, there will be a congregation of 200 people and there might be five of them who don't behave or treat you the way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And we focus on those five rather than the other 195 mm-hmm. that are per- perfectly kind and nice and don't have any critique or ugly criticism, whatever. Exactly. Um, but yeah. we, so I think it's good for us to, to focus on the ones that, <laughs> that don't have a problem with us and don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Cause so many times in a situation like that, those five people don't really have a leg to stand on and they don't speak for everyone and God knows them. They know us. God knows us and knows them and he considers the source. So 
Yeah. And I definitely didn't mean to imply that everywhere we've been, everybody has loved me. <laughs> that is definitely not the case. And, and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. there, and sometimes it's a situation where you can't even put your finger on why, but yeah. somebody just might not like you very much. And we're not all going to click all the time with everybody yeah. that we meet, but I don't, what I'm saying is I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that I'm the preacher's wife. I think that's right. true for everybody. Yeah. Wherever you go, um, even on the job or in any, not just ministry, in any role in life, there are going to be people that don't necessarily find you great. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't know what's just, wrong with them. But. I don't know what's wrong with them. You're just not their favorite person. And yeah. like you said, we can, I could name some names, you know, we could focus on that. Um, mm. Or just realize that most people, if you're loving to them, they're going to be loving right back. And, but like I said, the point is that if that does exist, and it probably does, that there are people who don't like you very much. And when I say you, I mean, us, me, you know, because you're surely um, not talking about me. No, I, I can't imagine anybody <laughs> in the world not liking you. And that's for reals. No, but um, it, I just don't think it's because we're preacher's wives, right? You know, and I think that when we say things like that, we're kind of selling other people short because that'd mm-hmm. be a pretty shallow reason. And I just don't think that that would be a, a real legitimate reason. <laughs> so yeah, it may just be personality differences and just, yeah. or sometimes I think that we, we may accidentally say things that are taken mm-hmm. wrong and, and we don't know that we have hurt somebody's feelings and mm-hmm. you know it just spirals sometimes from there but that doesn't happen very often I don't I really don't think I, I think mm-hmm. sometimes for people who do have that happen all the time say this carefully but I think what is the common denominator is it mm-hmm. me you know am I the one that is am I taking things the wrong way all the time or you know it's just something we need to consider I think that it might mm-hmm. be not necessarily in our own minds, but we might be taking it wrong. We might be looking yeah. for things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a good segue into one of the first things that I was thinking about. I have, I really have two main things that yeah. I want to get across when I think about what I wish people knew. And the first one that came to my mind is the fact that we're just, we're not a victim. We're not, I wrote we're the same not, thing. we're not targeted. We're not we're victims not victim. and martyrs. We're not martyrs. That's a better Mm -hmm. word for it. I wish I'd thought of that one. Um, And I think that some of these things that we might read or see out there that are shared, and I'm not saying there isn't a brighter side and more positive outlook, but maybe they just don't get shared as much. But most of the things it seems like that you see that are written about something along the lines of people who work in ministry is negative. Mm -hmm. And it it almost comes across like this victimitis, you know, all these things are happening because I'm the preacher's wife or because my husband's the preacher or, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't believe that at all. Mm -hmm. And again, as we're covering our, (laughs) covering our tracks here, we're not trying to say it has never happened or discount anybody's feelings. But from my personal perspective, I do not believe that at all. I don't think that anybody going into ministry is targeted for all these bad things to happen to just because you're in ministry. And I don't think that playing the martyr is a joyful, peaceful existence for any role, but especially in ministry. And you're Mm going to find what you're looking for. So if you go in, maybe somebody told you ahead of time, 
who experienced something bad, that this is how you're going to be treated because you're the preacher's wife or whatever. Then you go in looking for that. You know, Mm -hmm. if I were to do that, I would start finding it. But um, I think that we mentioned that there can be challenges and things that might be difficult that you experience in ministry. And I was thinking about like personality clashes, misunderstandings, hurt feelings. These are just things that are experienced by everybody. Yeah. You know, all the members of the congregation are going to experience these things. Mm-hmm. And um, if we walk into any work with a chip on our shoulder, you know, then maybe that's how we'll start viewing things with a little bit of skewed perspective and start feeling like a martyr. And that's just going to damage the work. Personality differences. We mentioned this. I don't remember what what week it was, but how when you go into a work as the minister's family and you're the preacher's wife, people know who you are just because, you know, they've announced, okay, we've hired John Moore. He's coming in to take this role and his wife is Carla and their children are so-and-so. So they've announced your name. Maybe it's been in the bulletin and, you know, maybe they've given a little reception for you to introduce you to the congregation. So everyone knows your name who you are. I mean, they've watched you come in. Mm -hmm. And so right there, I think for some of us who are uh, introverted or shy or self-conscious about things, that kind of puts us on edge to be in the spotlight. But also on the other side of it, we have to learn a lot of new names and a lot of faces. and, And we come in not knowing, hopefully not knowing if there's issues, um, you know, sometimes you're going to get an earful from people ahead of time about, um, about members. And that's really not, that's a, not a great thing, but, um, so for all of these people, say you have a congregation of 200 people and they all know who you are, but you're having to learn 200 names and figure out the family connections, which is always tricky. Mm-hmm. Or, um, there's always some people that enjoy being close to the preacher's family and others that don't. Mm-hmm. So, maybe you, you learn their name at that reception that they give you. But then if you're anything like me, I'm so busy thinking about what I'm going to say next, because I'm nervous about meeting a bunch of people. I'm not going to remember the name. Mm -hmm. So you come across them the next time. And because they've met you, they might think, oh, she'll remember me, but you don't because you're nervous, Mm -hmm. whatever. And so, you know, it's, it's just a mindset. I think we can if we accidentally hurt someone's feelings because we don't remember their name or something about them, I think we, we can take some responsibility for that and just say, I am so sorry. I'm new and I'm trying to learn your name. Can you remind me one more time and I'll do my best to remember it. And, you know, we can take it humbly Mm -hmm. and do our best to receive it well, rather, and, and, and work on making that better rather than just going, can't believe they expect me to understand and know all these names right away. So it's just a mindset going Mm -hmm. in with some humility, with some grace already, Mm -hmm. you know, just intentionally deciding I'm going to give grace as much grace as I'm expecting from other people. I'm going to give that. So, you know, I just think that there's all kinds of situations that can make it a harder transition or make make ministry hard but we don't it doesn't have to be that way we can do what we can to make it better 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up grace already because I was hoping to touch on that too. And, and that was a great example. And I remember when we first moved here, I had a couple of different people just a couple of weeks in come up to me and say, now what's my name? Oh, <laughs> I know. Not nice. I know that was what was going on in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, my first thought was, oh my goodness, you know, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so one of them repeated it, you know, and, uh, I didn't really appreciate that, but it actually worked because <laughs> it's stuck. You remember it's stuck. Yeah. But then the next time I saw him, I was thinking, please ask me, please ask me because I remembered <laughs> it. So I tried so hard to remember it. And instead of asking me, their name they said they had their daughter in front of them now what's my daughter's name Mm. (laughs) Mm. but um yeah that was nerve-wracking but I'll um, say we want them to give us grace as we're learning names Mm -hmm. and getting to know people and getting to know how things are done you know and finding our place and and all of these things and we should offer them the same we should offer them the same grace and it really breaks my heart when I read something that's posted in such a way that it almost vilifies the church. You know, it almost makes it seem, you can almost hear the bitterness and the resentment coming across, you know, maybe they were hurt or they had a bad experience, but, you know, saying things, saying bad things about the church or the leadership or bashing it, you know, is, is so painful to read. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Satan's tool because it becomes an us versus them. You know, it's us and the church. Um, It's us versus the church. And that's just not the case. We are the church Mm -hmm. and we're all serving and working together in the kingdom. And so extending grace, we want, we want them to be patient with us and all of our foibles and imperfections. And um, when I look back over you know, my years in ministry, I know I've fallen short in so many ways. And there were unmet expectations that people had of me, either ones I was aware of or not, you know, Mm. it happens. And, and I always, and I've most of the time received grace from them in those situations. Yeah. And so, you know, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And I think if we remind ourselves of that, we can get out of this whole martyr complex that sometimes can be really easy to fall into. Yeah. Having the mindset that it's a blessing to be in ministry and, mm-hmm. and it really is just means that you, you make up your mind that this is how I'm going to see it. And it's not necessarily just having a Pollyanna personality, you know, where you find the sunshine and everything. It really is determining that I'm doing this for God and, and there is no better way to live than to live a Christian life. There just really isn't. I'm just hundred percent plus convinced of that. And it, you don't have to be in ministry. Well, mm-hmm. I say that you don't have to be a preacher's family to feel that way, to live that way, because every Christian can live that way, no mm-hmm. matter your profession. And I think ministry families are just blessed because we get to to spend more time on it. And are there frustrations? Yes. Mm-hmm. Disappointments? Yes. <laughs> Made me a little bit car sick right there for a second. All right. <laughs> um, my screen. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just having that attitude and deciding that we're going to approach our life this way just makes things better from the very get-go. Mm-hmm. And 
makes you look at things differently and prevents you from seeing them automatically in a negative way. And, you know, there's been times, of course, you and I both, a lot of times I'll be down about something and John is up about it and vice versa. He'll be down and Mm -hmm. I'll be up. And I think God gives us that in a way intentionally to be Mm -hmm. able to balance each other out because just being able to see clearly is, is a valuable thing. And it's when one of you can't, the other one usually can. Do y'all experience that too? Oh, absolutely. And I'm so grateful for God's wisdom in that. And I was thinking with what you just said that um, just because it's so rewarding and full of blessings doesn't mean it's always easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there it can be hard at times. You sure. know, sometimes you have to really humble yourself. Sometimes you have to acknowledge what you just blew it. You know, there have mm-hmm. been times when I've had to acknowledge I just messed up and or I've let somebody down. There'll be times when, you know, maybe, maybe a situation happened that was an unfair or unrealistic situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's not that, or feeling like you always need to take the high road, yeah. you know, can be hard. Um, feeling like you never really have a day off can be hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, always on call, you know, but a lot of, a lot of jobs have that. And mm-hmm. a lot of Christians that are in a ministry might have the same fellowship activities on their day off, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's just easy all the time and never hard, but it's rewarding. And to me, it's just like gardening or farming. You know, you talk about the simple life and the wholesome life and all these beautiful things. Well, it's not necessarily easy. It's hard work Mm -hmm. to get out there and it's hot and it's dirty and it's grimy and it's sweaty and there's bugs and you know, all these things, but it's so rewarding and full of blessing and you reap what you sow, you know, just, Mm -hmm. it's such a simple principle, but, um, you mentioned all the blessings and that was my second thing. And I was thinking if I could just sum up everything and what I would want other people to know is we're not martyrs or victims. And it is a very blessing filled life. It's a very rewarding life. And, um, you already know this because I shared it in a class, but when Neil and I had celebrated our 21st anniversary, I came up with a list of 21 reasons why I love being a preacher's wife. And I always said that when we got to our 31st anniversary, I would add 10 reasons to it. Well, as we're preparing for this podcast, it dawned on me that that 31st anniversary came and went. So (laughs) I forgot to add The 10 more reasons, but I went back and read the original ones and I still stand by them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure I could add more, but there are so many beautiful, rewarding things about being in ministry and getting to work with the best people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking it would probably be, I mean, I'm sure it would be good for, for us to acknowledge the hard things and maybe Mm -hmm. I I wrote down some of the things that what I wish people knew about me as a preacher's wife and mine's been a little bit different because John was a bible chair he worked in the college ministry for a while so I wasn't the preacher's wife Mm -hmm. and then um, when we went to southwest he was teaching in the school so again I wasn't the preacher's wife when we came here to dripping springs mom dad was the full-time preacher. So mom was the preacher's wife. So I've kind of been 
in the shadow, in the shade a little bit until John became full-time here at Drippin. And then everybody knew me and I didn't really consider myself any different from anyone else. No one ever treated me any different. Maybe they did and I didn't see it. Maybe I'm just obtuse. I don't know. (laughs) So it's a little, it's just been, maybe I've had it somewhat easier in as far as the spotlight, but I've just never felt like I lived in a glass house, never have felt Mm -hmm. like that. And I know some women do, but what I wish people knew about me, uh, and I just, these are the words that I wrote down. I'm ordinary. I'm flawed. I'm not always admirable. You know, sometimes our marriage has had its periods of struggle. We get discouraged sometimes, you know, when, when people don't show up, when we feel like we're carrying the lion's share of the work. And what is that Mm -hmm. saying that 10% of the people do 90% of the work? And it's usually the same ones, but thank God for those same ones. And what can we do differently to encourage others? And again, I think if, if we're playing the victim and playing the martyr, what is, what is attractive about that to encourage others to join in with what we're doing? Mm -hmm. Nothing. There's nothing Nothing. attractive about that. Mm -mm. Um, I think that like vacations, you know, we, I don't know about y'all, but we didn't really take vacations. If we ever did go anywhere on a little vacation, it was always because John was speaking somewhere. Maybe he was mm-hmm. preaching in a gospel meeting. And so all of us would go and we'd take little side trips. Um, so we didn't have typical, you know, go off and do something fun for a week. But at the same time, we did go and meet people, other people that were part of the Lord's body in other places. And we were blessed by them. I can't tell you how many relationships we have because of trips like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a balancing act well, there, there mm-hmm. may be some, some things that we didn't do, but the benefits always far outweighed the negatives. You know, there's the whole money and that's a huge one. I think a lot of times we struggle on when we're in ministry because you don't feel like you can, and you don't want to profit from it, but yet you mm-hmm. still need to feed your family and you don't, you know, how little is too little, how much is too much. That's just that's a tricky thing, Mm -hmm. but you know, we work through it. And I think that for the vast majority of places, um, no one wants the preacher to live, uh, just barely eke out an existence. And I think sometimes we portray ourselves as feeling like we do, but you know, I've, I've said this before. There have been times that we feel like who counsels the counselor Mm -hmm. and who ministers to the minister and who leads the leader and encourages the encourager. But usually when we're saying things like that, is it a low point? And then when mm-hmm. we get past that low point, we look back and we see, oh, so many ways that God provided people to encourage us when we needed encouragement and when we Very needed true. someone to counsel with mm-hmm. us. Maybe it didn't look like sitting down at someone's desk and having a formal counsel session, but older, wiser people that God put in our path and put in our lives to counsel us, you know, think of the Dan Winklers and, and Mike Vestal may not want me to call him an older man, although he is older than us, but, you know, we've had lots of people that we've been blessed to call friends and have advised us over the years wisely because we were a family in ministry. So those maybe, maybe sound like things that are difficult, but God always, always provided what we needed. It just may not have looked like what I wanted it to look like at the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe, you know, we needed to throw in, acknowledge that we do. There are those 
things yeah. that feel negative, but God always provides what we need. Very good. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I was thinking about, um, the, the, the positive, completely positive approach to all of this and what we wish everyone knew since mm -hmm. maybe not everybody gets to hear about all these things. And Carla, you and I, when we, we brought this up a while back, actually, when we were brainstorming of things to talk about on the podcast and mm -hmm. the disadvantage to a topic like this is not all of our listeners are preacher's wives or in mm -hmm. ministry, but even if you're not, you have a preacher's wife <laughs> mm -hmm. and you probably have been exposed to some of these things that are written out there about how hard it is to be in ministry or whatever. So that's why we wanted to share this. And, mm -hmm. um, I thought of, first of all, that we get to work with the best people, mm -hmm. our coworkers, our Christians, um, and there aren't a lot of different, you know, careers that you could go into where that's the case. And yeah. what a huge blessing that is. It doesn't mean that every relationship is going to be absolutely perfect and smooth all the time, but we have the most important foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's our walk with Christ and the most important goal. And that's to serve his people and take as many people as we can to heaven. So, I mean, blessing number one right there. Yeah. Is, I think about that often at Bear Valley because, yes, you know, that, that trip that we took in 2018, the Israel trip, it was like mm -hmm. going on a trip with 45 of your best friends. And I mean, that's just never going to happen again because I know. when I walk so up amazing. and down the hall in my mind, and think of, of how so many of those people are just our dearest friends. And, and we have the same goal, the same mindset, the same, you know, we're like, we're brothers and sisters and brothers mm -hmm. and sisters have squabbles and, and irritations with one other, another yeah. sometimes, but, yeah. um, but it's just the greatest. It is. Mm -hmm. And um, uplifting events. You kind of mm -hmm. alluded to this one already because it's our job we get to take advantage of a lot of these gospel meetings and lectureships and seminars and ladies days, or um, you mentioned the trip to Israel, you know, mission trips. These are things that it's easier for us to participate in mm -hmm. because we're in ministry. And I know there's a lot of other people that would like to do more, but maybe they can't get as much time off from work, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So that to me is, a great opportunity because we, you know, a lot of times we're participating in, in those events, but we get to come back from them revived and refreshed. And, you know, we've learned more and equipped ourselves. Um, and then there's, and I know you'll agree with this one, all the encouragement mm -hmm. through the years. I mean, Absolutely. think about all those dear, sweet people who seems like have made it their life's mission to lift up the preacher and his family. Mm -hmm. And they come love on your children, you know, and mm -hmm. take them in as their own. They never miss an opportunity to say a kind word to you or express, you know, like way more than you deserve yeah. encouragement. And or maybe they um, send you a sweet note. Uh, we have a sister here, Amanda Loden. Every now and then we get a card from her in the mail and she just writes how grateful they are that we're here. And mm -hmm. she usually lists one or two specific things. You know, she's real thoughtful. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, to balance it out, we've received criticism through the years, but who mm. hasn't yeah, <laughs> you know, in any job, uh, everybody has received criticism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how about all the prayers yeah. on our behalf? You know, how often during right before the announcements, when somebody prays, 
at the beginning or end of worship, how often is the minister's family mentioned mm -hmm. in there, you know, yeah. or somebody will tell you that they've prayed for you and your work. Um, opportunities for growth. <laughs> <laughs> also known as it constructive could. criticism. Well, that, but I was also <laughs> thinking it could be that some things that you might feel the need to participate in aren't, don't come naturally to you. Yeah. It could be, raise your hand, uh, that you're uh -huh. an introvert or, uh, -huh. uh, you know, and, and you have to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. But what a blessing, you know, to grow and to have the opportunity to stretch yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever going to be forced out of your comfort zone, who better to do it with than God's people? Yeah. who are going to encourage you and who have your back. And you went, just a minute ago, when you were talking about encouragement that we receive, it made me start thinking down in my mind about how it's so interesting when over the years, when John has been gone and I have not been able to go with him. So I'll, you know, back when the boys were growing up, if they had school, whatever, when he's here, we'll both, after worship, go our separate ways, talking to different people and we'll be, you know, often the last to leave. But when John is gone, I tend to, if he's not here for whatever reason, I duck out pretty quick. And mm -hmm. I, that is probably, there's maybe something psychological about that, mm -hmm. but I'm just thinking of personality types and how tempting it is to not take advantage of those opportunities to grow mm -hmm. if we don't feel completely at ease. And so here, I think this is a huge one for preachers' wives. And let's just face it. A lot of us are introverted because mm -hmm. opposites attract and there's mm -hmm. a lot of extroverted preachers and John and Neil are both that way. And I don't know mm -hmm. that most people would consider you and I to be an introvert, but I think we both naturally are to begin with, but we've grown out of it because we've been forced out of it. Right. Um, but we still have those tendencies. Like you, you love to be at home. I love to be at home. And, um, but yet we have all of these opportunities to, to be gently pulled out of that. I don't think being an introvert is a bad thing, but I think that we have to force ourselves from being a hermit sometimes, or, to, to walk up to someone to introduce ourselves doesn't come naturally, but there's so many biblical principles about, about loving one another and expressing that love and being together and encouraging one another, lifting one another up. And how can you do that? If you're at home all the time, how can you do that? If you just leave and don't take, you know, don't, don't go to events. There's just so many times that John, John goes the extra mile reaching out to people, he'll pick up the phone and call someone. And you and I, we don't like talking on the phone. And I think, why can't I just do the things like he does? Pick up the phone and call. If it's someone who, um, who's lost someone, you know, they've lost a loved one. And I don't know what to say. You know, my heart's broken for them. And so I don't naturally want to call them because I'll think to myself, they don't really want to talk to anyone right now. If, yeah. if they answer, what would I say? But what better, how better to, to represent God than to, to call someone and say, my heart hurts for you. 
Mm-hmm. What an opportunity to grow. So anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I just think that sometimes preacher's wives may tend to be more introverted mm-hmm. and we, we can't use that as an excuse to not take part in the things that, that God puts in our path and then play the victim or play the martyr and say that so-and-so doesn't like me. Well, I just wonder how much effort we've put into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you hear that they'll say, you know, no one's had us into their home. No one's done this. And again, how much effort are we putting into it Mm -hmm. and having us into our home? And that's not why we do it in the first place, but yeah, good things to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, Hospitality, which we had a whole episode on Mm -hmm. recently, I guess last, I don't remember. Uh, but I think about all the different homes that we've been in and all the open hearts and open hearths that we've enjoyed through the yeah. years. And, and they've all stuck in my mind and lodged themselves completely mm-hmm. as sweet memories for our children as they were growing up and for us now. And, and as we said in that hospitality episode, there's just something extra special about being in somebody's home. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're in ministry, if people are going to have anybody over, they're going to have the preacher and his family over. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that's been good. And the very next one was great meals. And that's because of <laughs> it's always going to be about food, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting into people's homes and they, you know, they might find out what your favorite dessert is, mm-hmm. or usually they find out what the preacher's favorite dessert is. Yeah. John will call it a 10 pound meeting. Sometimes he'll he'll come back and say that was a 10 pound meeting. I gained 10 pounds, but he always comes home with recipes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know these people, but he'll come home with a recipe and and a story about this family Mm -hmm. because he loves, he loves that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Life events. Think how often we get to participate in people's big life events, like weddings and births and Mm -hmm. funerals and Front row seat to happy. Front row seat. We get to experience that with them and those pivotal moments in their lives we get to be a part of. So that's pretty special. Mm -hmm. Um, Compassion. I already alluded to that earlier, but some of my biggest stumbles and goofs have been pretty public. (laughs) 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 And so, uh, you know, just experiencing firsthand how compassionate God's people can be. Mm-hmm. and how willing they are to um, give you a hug and tell you they love you and to hang in there. You know, I've yeah. experienced all of that firsthand and am so grateful for it. And I think it's encouraging for members to see that, that the preacher and his family are just ordinary people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we were talking about with hospitality. When you walk into someone's home, that's perfect and everything is in place and there's no specks of dust, there's nothing. And we all think, oh, I don't want them to come to my house mm-hmm. is the same. It's, it's true with our lives. If we, if we have this appearance of having it all, you know, we're on top of everything and we don't have anything wrong with us and people see us and go, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want the, to let them into my life, mm-hmm. not just our homes, but in my life, because I'm, I'm so far from that. But if they see in a, in a real way that we're, we mess up and we own up to it and have the, have have some humility. I think that that is encouraging to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think I need to go out of my way too much to tell people that because it's pretty <laughs> apparent. Yeah. It's pretty apparent that I don't yeah. have it all together. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then I thought about um, the role model that my sons had, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. their father 
as a gospel preacher and someone getting to meet people in the Lord's kingdom and be in their homes and serve in ministry. I'm so grateful that they get to experience that up close and personal Mm -hmm. and mission trips already mentioned that we don't have to take time off from work for that because it is our work. And then fellowship, um, kindred spirits with other people in ministry. Mm -hmm. I love preachers. I love meeting preachers, wives, you know, that's, that's always fun. Um, I'm going to skip some of these just for the sake of time, but oh, elders, mm-hmm. we have the best bosses and, yeah. and I'm so appreciative of them. We get to see a lot of times what a lot of people don't get to see yeah. and appreciate them for their labor of love and their countless hours of prayer and tears, um, the elder and his wife, you know, um, the blood, sweat and tears, if you want to call it, that they put into the work. And a lot of times, most of that goes unnoticed and unappreciated and, and talk about people who always have to take the high road. You know, I just really appreciate them and getting an opportunity to see them at work up close. And again, I think we have something to do with, with that relationship that we have with them. If we Mm -hmm. assume because maybe we had a bad experience somewhere else. We assume mm-hmm. it's going to be the same wherever we go. It's like the door is already shut before we've, mm-hmm. before we've even tried. And I know I've heard people say that you get a little bit gun shy if you've had a bad experience, but that's just pre-medit. Let's see, what was that saying again? Christy Poe, we, she's the one that taught it yeah. to me that expectations are premeditated resentments. Mm-hmm. And so if we have an expectation that, um, that this is that the elders are going to be harsh, that they're not going to be interested in your family. They're going to be critical. If we go into any relationship like that, it, it's going to happen that way because you've already decided it's going to be that way. So I think we have everything to do with a relationship with the elders. Yeah. I think people live up or down to your, mm-hmm. your expectations of them. Exactly. Uh, the members, the elders, you know, if you're, if you typically assume the best about people, mm-hmm. I think most people live up to that, but if you go in with a chip on your shoulder and yeah. take things personally and assume the worst, well, <laughs> you're probably going to see yeah. that. That's the only bad kind it. of chip. I like all the yeah. other chips. Same. Um, baptisms. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? That no matter what time of day or night, rarely do we have to miss them. Yeah. You know, we, we get to witness those baptisms. Um Bible studies, think about all the Bible studies you've been able to be a part of and to see the truth working on tender hearts, you mm-hmm. know, the most special moment in, in a life of ministry. And mm-hmm. we get to be a part of that, being with all kinds of people, you know, um, that's good and bad. Like you said, mm-hmm. when I started mentioning those growth opportunities and your mind went to, you know, maybe some criticism of things, but being around different types of people, people that mm-hmm. are not maybe somebody you'd be naturally drawn to in your closest circle, but different than you. And maybe you have to work through that relationship somehow. And mm-hmm. it ends up being this huge blessing, you know, yeah. just to know them and serve them and try to understand them. I've thought times before, and I may have mentioned this, but every new school year, you don't know who's about to walk through the door. And it's not just, I say that because we're in the, in, in the Bear Valley where new students come in in Mm -hmm. August and sometimes in January, 
and we've been done that at Southwest, but in just preaching families, it could be any time of the year. Mm-hmm. But when I, I think someone could walk through that door, that's going to change my life and that mm-hmm. I'll have the opportunity to change theirs. And in particular, I think this of, of my friend, Alice Stone, that they came, <clears throat> I don't know what year it was. I want to say somewhere around 2000, 2001 to go to school at Southwest. And I remember I can still see in my mind's eye when she walked in the door here at the church building in Dripping Springs. And we knew they were coming because they were coming to school, but I didn't know anything about them. And so it was an exciting thing. It's like, oh, she's around my age and maybe, maybe we'll become friends. Well, we did. And we're still the best of friends. And, and I just, that kind of gave me reminded me that anytime that door opens and someone else walks in, it could be somebody that becomes a dear friend. It could be somebody that maybe you're not going to be dear friends, but they're going to be friends and they're going to, there's someone that God put in your path. So take advantage of it. And, mm-hmm. and so many times, like you said, over and over, we've been blessed by relationships. Isn't it interesting thing. how often that when you meet somebody for the first time, you might think, mm, I don't know about yeah. that. <laughs> Or you don't hit it off right away, you know, mm-hmm. and then they end up being one of your dearest friends. You know, I can't remember. I, I mean, I don't even know how many times Neil and I have said things like, who would have ever thought yeah. <laughs> <You> know, that <laughs> uh-huh. they would end up being one of our dearest friends, you know, and, and isn't and it usually, isn't it usually because you've done something together? Yes. You've worked in ministry together. You've yeah. gone on a trip, a mission trip or something. Served in some way together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just Blessing. taking the time to get to know people and see them really mm-hmm. for who they are. Yeah. yeah. And letting them see you goes both right. ways. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of little things on here, <laughs> yeah, but we no. don't have all day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I did write, I wrote down some things. What, you know, when, when we were talking about what we were going to talk about on this episode, what do we want others to know about the preacher's wives or the preacher's families and and living a life in ministry. And one of the things that I started writing down, what do we want and what would we like from other members of the church? What is it that we would love to see? And that's kind of where I was going with at the very beginning, when you asked me, one of the things was relationship and to not be necessarily treated differently just because we are the preacher's family, but we are, we want true friendship with, with others. And sometimes for some of us who've had bad experiences, we tend to hold ourselves at arm's length. And my prayer is that we would stop doing that because Mm -hmm. it just doesn't help anybody. You don't want to be hurt maybe, or you're expecting to be hurt Mm -hmm. again. Um, that that's not helpful, but we, we do want relationship from fellow members. I think another thing we want is for others to take responsibility to be involved in church activities and not just us, but that, that other members are responsible to be involved in church activities because we're Christians together mm-hmm. and we're all in this work. We're working shoulder to shoulder. And sometimes I think there have been families who preachers, families who feel like others look at it as just your job. And I know that there are some people out there that say that they might say, well, that's your job. And in some ways we do have the time. That's what we are. That's what 
our job is to to spend all of our you know time at work you know you think of an eight to five job and this is not that typical eight, eight to five job but other members can work alongside us as they have time we we want that um we just want to work on church projects on activities in the community alongside other members i think something else that we want is the possibility that we can put roots down and there are a lot of uh, preachers families that don't expect to be able to do that we did and i think it's very highly unusual that every one of our kids went through the entire school system from kindergarten through high school here in Dripping Springs. So we have roots here. John had roots here to begin with. And I do, again, feel like that's unusual, but it's not impossible. And um, so just the possibility that that could happen. I think for another thing we want is for our kids to, to find friendship and acceptance among the other kids in the congregation and to not be looked at as different um, to not be held up as a standard necessarily because our kids are going to make mistakes, but we want for our children to find friendship. You know, we, every kid deserves that. I think another thing that we want is to see dedication among other members. And don't you just love that when you go and I know, I know you have found this at Lehman. I know you found it at Bear Valley, other families who were not on the ministry staff who who felt like the work god's work in denver god's work in bowling green wasn't just your job but it was their job oh, i mean yeah. i think of what you told me that russell said are you ready for a challenge mm -hmm. you know i know he's an elder but he's he i don't know if he's still if he's retired or if he's working but that wasn't his profession necessarily and i hate to think of ministry as a profession but um they, i just you and I both know what it means to have other members of the church to be just as dedicated to God's work as you are. Mm -hmm. That just fills my heart with joy when we know people like that. Yes. So those are just a few of the things that, that I thought of that, what, what we would like to see from fellow mm -hmm. members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. good. Well, okay. So I think if we were going to sum it all up, we would just say that this is the blessed life, you know, and Absolutely. it doesn't mean it's perfect and that it's always easy, but it's very rewarding, very fulfilling. And we hope that maybe we should talk about that more. Maybe we should mm -hmm. focus more on that and be thankful for it and draw more attention to it and encourage other people too to see that we're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. We're all serving God together and, um, you know, let's just keep shining the light of Christ and keep loving each other, extending grace to each other and let God work through all of us the way he intended from the very beginning. As they say, the retirement plan is out of this world. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, and I, I feel like that there will be preacher's wives who listen to this and they might think, well, they haven't experienced what we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're feeling like we need to, what's the word where you, you have to have a caveat for everything. Mm -hmm. And we don't want anyone to be hurt by anything we've said, because we know that, it, that struggles are real. We've had them, mm -hmm. but you and I both just feel very strongly that having the right mindset 
plays such a huge part in how you handle the bad things that come along with being in ministry and realizing that it's in any job that you do, that there are going to be negative things. And there's just so much that we can uh, um, make better by how we approach it and how we decide ahead of time that we're going to handle things Mm -hmm. and, and promising to lift one another up, you know, whether it's you and I, other friendships that we have in ministry, John and me, you and Neil, you know, the devil is trying to get between us. He's trying to come between our marriages. He's trying to come between relationships and churches. And we just have to determine that we're not going to let him do that. So just, I guess, a caveat. Yeah, that's good. And we definitely are not discounting anything that anybody else has experienced, like we said in the beginning. And I know people that are right now in very difficult situations, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. But those get a lot of press, Mm -hmm. you know, that's talked about a lot. And so we just kind of want to balance that out a little bit and, and share the good things about it as well. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to move into our random question? Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you sure? Do you want to say some more? Okay. So our random question is, this is like a fill in the blank. At first I was going to say, we'll share what is your worst habit, Mm -hmm. but then I changed my mind and we'll just do (laughs) (laughs) a fill in the blank. I have a bad habit of fill in the blank. So it could just be any of your bad habits. And uh-huh. what would you like to share? Oh, where do I, I begin? I know. I can't wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many. Do you, I have a lot do of you bad even habits. have one? <laughs> oh my, you know, I do. You know them. I have lots of them. So well, how do I pick just one? You'll have so, to pick just one. Did you say Neil had to pick just one? No, you will have oh, to pick just one. You will okay. have to pick just one. Probably the one that has the most ramifications is that I have a bad habit of procrastinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rats. I didn't think about that one. Like, I like I should have picked Rats? that one. <laughs> oh, no. I, I just put things off that it's not even necessarily things that I don't want to do. It's just things that I know I'm going to have to take some time. Well, you know, studying for a certain presentation or writing a manuscript or an article or whatever. And I know, you know, how it just takes a while to get yourself into that groove and get yourself engrossed in a topic Mm -hmm. and to not have all the distractions. Mm -hmm. And it just takes me an hour at least to get in that groove and then exact same way. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so candy crush, that dumb game (laughs) that I've had to delete that thing twice from my phone. And then somehow it ends up back on my phone and I'll think to myself, okay, I just need to play a couple of games of candy crush to kind of just to get me relaxed or whatever. (laughs) Does that sound like a junkie? I'm a candy crush junkie. And that feeds into my bad habit of procrastinating. So taxes, you know, I hate taxes. Mm -hmm. I always feel like preparing to turn that stuff over to the accountant or whatever. I'm like, it feels like there's a policeman driving behind me. I know I'm, I'm not wanting, I'm trying not to do anything wrong, but I might be and they're going to catch me. And that's what I feel like <laughs> doing taxes. So I procrastinate and I put them off. 
and we end up having to file an extension every year. And anyway, so procrastinating. Oh, that's a good one. It's yes. a bad one. Well, it's a good bad one. Okay. I could have claimed that one also. Right. I decided to, I also had a multitude of things. Neil said, well, what are you going to say? And I was like, well, I could use this one or this one or this one. Or this one. <laughs> yep. I decided to go with, probably because I live with this on a daily basis. I have a bad habit of wanting something sweet every single day. Yeah. And so I know that wasn't as, that's just a physical thing, but it really does affect my mood. Yeah. And, and I don't want a lot, you know, it's not even like I have to have a dessert with every meal or anything, mm -hmm. but usually about mid afternoon, I just want some small thing. So like we eat, we try to eat our big meal at lunchtime mm -hmm. and I just want some small thing right after, even yeah. if it's just one of those miniature almond joys or, mm -hmm. you know, just something. And, um, and I, it probably means that I have a sugar addiction <laughs> because if I don't like if we're on the run or, and I, and I'm not going to eat it late at night. And so I've missed that window of opportunity in my mind. That's how I view it. And I've missed that window of opportunity. Then it makes me grouchy. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even get something sweet today. This was a rough day. <laughs> see, I see nothing wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with needing a little sweet something every day. Okay. Well then I'll pick a different one. I also... <laughs> I mean, if it's a bad habit to you, that's fine. But I also maybe it's because I have the trouble with it myself. I also have a bad habit of ignoring certain household tasks. Yeah, like <laughs> which ones? All the gross ones. Cleaning I the toilet. Hate cleaning the toilet. I yeah. hate scrubbing the shower. You know, I just. Ugh. Have you tried that um, shower daily shower spray stuff that's supposed to? cut down does it not help yeah I think especially here I think we have really hard water or yeah. something I don't know yeah. but there's always and I really don't like to use harsh chemicals but I really mm -hmm. need something a lot stronger than what I have because there, I feel like there's always a layer of like soap scum or something I don't even know what it is that I have to I just yeah. never I feel like our bathroom sinks always look dingy and so does the shower so that's gross one there you go okay <laughs> The next, I can just see it now. Next week's pictures in looking up are going to nope. be stingy shower stall. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's always those things at your house that you don't think about until someone's coming over. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's when it gets attention. Yeah. Nasty. My ceiling fans would be exhibit A there. <laughs> all you got to do is just keep those spinning and then nobody will know that's how right. dusty they are. Nobody will see it. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. don't make the mistake I did one time of, reversing it because then all the dust just goes flying off oops yeah okay since Sorry. you had two I have two I stick okay. my head in the sand I stick my head in the sand about things yeah. I don't want to do know mm -hmm. you and I are the same person pretty much except you like a whole lot more foods than I do yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> well I mean we made it all the way through this episode without saying pooped you just did that you know what neil said to me what yesterday he said so is that like your thing now <laughs> <laughs> i said no in fact from here on in we will never do it again <laughs> he just said right <laughs> mm -hmm. whatever 
That's another, Whatever. that's another myth about preacher's wives is that they're all perfectly mature and don't say anything that they shouldn't say. And yeah, that would not be us. We have a sense of humor, right? Yes, exactly. A very mature one. Very mature, yeah. cultured sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all Hardly. right. Well, this was a good conversation. I'm glad we had time to have it together and thankful for your friendship and uh, all the ways I've learned from you in ministry, actually. I should have said that when we were on topic, but I still remember a lesson that you gave years ago on five things every preacher's wife should know, and it was supper. Oh, thank supper. you. I don't remember. Was that? Yeah. I'll send anyway. it to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, well, right. enjoy the rest of your day. Happy packing. Safe yeah. travels. I'll be in Colorado next week. That's right. With better internet. I love you too. I love you too. Appreciate it.